Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 FM WFNZ. Straight fire. This is the Wesson Walker Show. Even the crowd knows what's coming next. Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Almost, speaking of cut day, I cut my mic off. That remix right there, yeah. remix. Well, nobody could hear it. That's the problem. But I saw you two laugh and I thought the jig was up. <laughs> and so I just decided to go ahead and announce it. I did that intro before I turned my mic on. But sometimes when I do that, the volume's turned all the way down. That's what I thought it was. But then I realized no flashy red button. Walker, mic's not on. Now we're getting started on a Tuesday. It is cut day for the Carolina Panthers and the roster is almost finalized. I have not seen any updates on it being cut down all the way to 53. Fiddy, I know you've been paying attention all day because you were doing the show, Charlotte Sports Today, the producer show. Was there the dump button hit at all, or were you guys able to refrain from the dump button today? Uh, we actually did not have to use the dump button. Okay. Uh, Victor Cruz did not get brought up in the show, which means there was no... Uh, Highly contested argument, but this is a different story now from 12 to 3. All right. Oh, you want to hit the dump button? Is that how you're feeling? I don't know what we did, Wes. We haven't even talked to this guy all day because he was on air, and he still seems like he's going to hit that dump button. I haven't seen anything, though. Seems like the roster's down to 56. We got a lot of cuts early in the day, and the Carolina Panthers have been taking this approach of announcing a name one at a time. Instead of just having this big wave. So they had the 11 that were cut right after the game on Friday. And ever since, it would happen back to back. But they would give you one name. Joe Person, Mike K, Rap Sheet would have it first. Somebody would give you a different name every like 15 minutes. And so now we're trying to figure out some of these other guys that are on the bubble. Let's dive right in on cut day with it being Wesson Walker show starting at 12 o'clock. Mr. Bus Driver already warmed it up for us. Let's open up the doors. We look good getting off the bus. I got something to say. Damn! Kick it! I can feel it. Wes Bryant, most interesting names on the chopping block, the Matt Rule era. Anybody that was drafted in the fourth round or later in the Matt Rule era, you're gone. Bye. Stanley Thomas Oliver, see ya. Brandon Smith, gone. Shy Smith, no longer a Carolina Panther. Deontay Brown, no longer here either. You have a lot of the Matt Rule era people cut from this team. Deion Jones cut from this team. Raekwon Williams, I know, was a surprise to a lot of people. Spencer Brown, after a good preseason, he is not on the finalized roster. Some of the names that stuck out to you as either a surprise or just something notable from one of these names. Yeah, Shai Smith definitely at the top of the list. A lot of people thought that he was going to be a guy that was going to make this receiving core as a sixth receiver possibly, but it was not to be. Eric Rowe, of course, that they traded for, uh, brought him over from the Miami Dolphins. So uh, he does not stick around 
And then other than that, I mean, you look at the rest of the list. Uh, Leota, Iku Leota, was a guy that was making some plays in, in training camp, and they had uh, he had a little bit of juice in this preseason, but uh, it was not to be. Deion Jones not surprised by And Kobe Jones was the guy that you kept seeing articles about here and there about his progress during camp and uh, how he was looking, uh, but it was not to be for him either. So those are some of the names for you. I know Deion Jones surprised people. Wes, I wasn't at all, to be honest with you. I mean, if you just no. go, if you go based off what you saw from the preseason, Deion Jones didn't play well. The only way that he would have made this roster is if you put way more stock into what he had done with the Atlanta Falcons. But this is someone that suffered injuries, had bounced around to a couple of different squads, and then because of the name recognition, got a lot of love. And I get it. Hey, can you tap back into what made him such a good player with Atlanta? Is there anything left there? Okay, bad game and first preseason game. Okay, he's just trying to get it integrated into the system. Everything will work out. But he didn't play well against the Giants in the preseason game, the second one of the preseason. So, okay, Deion Jones not playing well in any of these contests. Not surprised there. Brandon Smith being a name everybody was hoping would break out. The Carolina Panthers drafted him based off of traits. That was something that was very popular to do in the Matt Rule era. Something I didn't have a problem with, to be honest with you. But the traits never matched the production. Joe Person framed it that way as well. Brandon Smith never lives up to the hope or the hype that Panther fans had for him. He is no longer on the roster as well. Raekwon Williams is the only one I think that is real surprising because if you go back, Marquan McCall was cut on the defensive line and that was one that had people raising an eyebrow. The coaching staff called it a fit problem that even if he was playing pretty well and he was a starter in the preseason, it was just a fit problem. They wanted him to catch on to a different roster. So you cut him a little bit earlier than the other guys that are going to be cut today. So I thought that might open up the door for Aquan Williams to stay aboard and he didn't. And so for me, that's the other, the surprising one. Wes, I think with the shy Smith cut, I just felt like the writing was on the wall. Shai Smith was out there in the last preseason game. Derek Wright wasn't. Usually it's the other way around. If you are at the very bottom, if you were on the fringe of making this roster, you would think Derek Wright would be out there. But Shai Smith was out there trying to make a name for himself even more so, and it's a different regime. They didn't draft him in the sixth round. Frank Reich didn't. And so now they move on from him, and they actually trade for Amir Smith-Marset a wide receiver for Kansas City that I believe was second in the preseason with the second most receiving yards, and they traded he conditional seventh-round picks in 2025. Maybe he was first. I was, I've been seeing different things. Either way, you're getting a Oh, leader. no, no, no. You're correct. Second leading receiver in the pro I, because I saw something different as well. But either way, this guy way. was a stud in the preseason, and so it's going to be interesting to see uh, what the Panthers do with him. 6'1", 185 pounds. He had 195 yards and two touchdowns in the preseason. And he's also got some special teams uh, skills that come with him. He returned 53 kickoffs in college and five in the NFL. So he's known as a speed merchant as well. So maybe a guy they want to come in and be able to take the top off of the defense. Maybe this preseason in Kansas City was his coming out party. And maybe the Panthers have gotten a jewel. I know we'll discuss this a little bit more later. But, uh, well, we can discuss move. it now. What you think? Okay, well, yeah. well, let's put it on the table. Do, um, really, to be frank, I, I don't see this as 
maybe an, an earth-shaking move here, but I could be wrong. I mean, this is a situation to where you, you look at it and you say, well, if this guy was a stud to this degree, why would Kansas City let him go? Uh, were these yards a lot of empty calories, different things uh, in, in that scenario? But he's been hailed as a guy that in the preseason really made up a lot of noise uh, for the Kansas City Chiefs. So maybe the Chiefs had so much talent in that room. I know I've seen Justin Ross from Clemson starting to emerge, and maybe they've got so many guys that they felt like he was expendable, and maybe their loss may be Carolina's game. Well, yeah, I, I can't get a handle on the wide receivers for Kansas City. I had my first fantasy football draft a couple of weeks ago, and I always want somebody from the Kansas City offense. <laughs> I just can't help it. Yeah. So Sky Moore was available. All right, I'll take Sky Moore. And then Kadarius Tony is available a couple of rounds later. All right, I'll take Kadarius Tony. You mentioned it. Justin Ross has his moment in the sun. I'm so happy to see him out there doing this thing. Well, even Rasheed Rice, who is going to be the guy? Yeah. Is Pat Mahomes just going to spread it all around? And then you have this guy who is second in the preseason when it comes to total yards receiving. Okay, so is he going to be in the offense? I like this trade because if you're talking about Listen to how insignificant this is, right? I don't want to, I, I guess I don't want to overstate the insignificance, but a conditional, okay, conditional seventh round pick, not in this upcoming NFL draft, but in 2025. So this is, it reminds me of the top 55 protected second round pick that you trade in the NBA, just basically to create an avenue to send one player to another team, when in reality, you're basically trading them for nothing. You have to have something on the other side to create a transaction. This is the equivalent to me, a conditional seventh round pick two years out. It's going to convey because that's not the NBA parallel, but you just have to create something to put on the other side of the transaction. And so the Carolina Panthers get their wide receiver. I have no problem with it. I, you're, it's going to be a crapshoot anyway. We might as well get somebody that was productive in the preseason and then throw away, quote unquote, a worse or maybe a little better seventh round pick, I think it's totally fine. Here's my question to you as well, Wes. I think this year, a lot of people had have, have had a harder time getting a grasp on who are going to be the cuts. Every time we talk about who's going to be the surprising cut, feels like we have a handful of names that are in that category where we might get one in previous years. Do you see it the same way? Uh... It, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's just now with them cutting so many guys, it's so hard to tell what these teams think to be in those film rooms and be in those meeting rooms, man, because you see guys who come out and produce, like you talked about with the Raekwon Williams or guys of that stature, that you see them and they're, they're putting in work on the field and you're like, okay, they should have a good chance to make it. But these coaches, you know, they have their, their ways and their criteria and sometimes it's just a numbers game and they might need something at another position and able to uh, let go of a guy at another position. So uh, it's just been an interesting development now with all of these cuts coming at one time and uh, it's going to be fascinating to see if they make any more moves to pick up uh, anybody else's scraps, so to speak. Um, Spencer Brown, also a name I think some people were a little surprised to see. It, it was always going to yeah. be an uphill climb for him, but because of what he did in the preseason, that put things up in the air a little bit more, but this is this is coming from someone who loves Reggie Bonifant. 
and he would always produce anytime <laughs> he went out there on the football field, and yet they would never allow him to be on the team. And then yeah. finally, they allowed him to be a part of the roster, but only for a moment, and then he's gone from the team again. I- I'm done putting stock into running backs that actually play well in the preseason. There's just a lot of them just don't get the love enough to make the roster, and that's I, I knew I was going to get burned on Spencer Brown. This was very much a I've already learned my lesson. I am not going to fall in love with a productive running back so buried on the depth chart. And sure enough, I'm proven right with Brown not on the roster. Now, he's a practice squad candidate. I expect him to come back on the practice squad. We'll see how that all unfolds once waivers clear. But yeah, this is another one of those cases. Even if he's productive, they already have their mind made up. Miles Sanders is one. They have Chuba Hubbard, two. Blackshear is going to be the pass catching threat. And then... Sorry, no more room for a Spencer Brown. Yeah, you hit it right on the head, though. Each one of those backs are defined by certain things. When you talk about Miles Sanders, he's the pro bowler. He's the stud. He's the big money back. Then you talk about Tuba Hubbard. He's the draft pick that they're still uh, getting going and still wanting to see what he can do. And then when you talk about Blackshear, he's the dual threat back that can come in on those third downs and give you a little bit of a change of pace. So I felt like they had all of their bases covered. So it was going to be really hard to make this running back room regardless. You were going to have to really, really stand out and show that you were a back capable of maybe even starting in this league uh, to make this running back four. All right, so just to put an overarching theme on this, we have 56 players, I believe, right now on the Panthers roster. There is a 4 p.m. deadline to get to a 53-man roster. Joe Person tweeted out the Panthers' current roster configuration includes five tight ends and six defensive linemen. As much as Frank Reich loves tight ends, hard to envision keeping five of them. So you expect a couple of guys to be cut there. Maybe, Wes, this is a sign that Tommy Trimble and Ian Thomas are going to be safe by cutting two tight ends, maybe one defensive lineman, and that would get you down to 53. But it doesn't mean that these guys are completely safe because Scott Fitterer could be wanting to do some other things outside of 53-man with these other teams cutting other guys that Carolina might value a little bit more so. We'll see how it all unfolds. We have until 4 p.m. And we're going to be on with you until 3 p.m. So just an hour before the deadline hits the NFL. We'll still have plenty more to get to on the other side of the break. We're not going to be skipping a second take Tuesday. I've gone over the plays. Wes has gone over the plays. We've been watching extensive film. Okay, we're going to give you the Baldy Breakdown, Wes and Walker edition. It's coming up next, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between.
Wilson Walker Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNZ. Feel free to text in. What are your thoughts on cut day? Who surprised you the most? Who do you want to see make the roster that is on the fringe? Again, 704-570-9610. Sorry if I wasn't clear. Scott in Belmont was telling me that it was a pick swap, not just even a pick alone, that Carolina traded to Kansas City. Yes, that's correct. It was a pick swap, a conditional seventh-round pick swap. So Carolina would get the worst of the seventh-round picks. Conditionally, imagine if there's some kind of playing time incentive for ISM. Do we like the acronym there? Do we like the abbreviation? ISM. Yeah, I'm good with that. It's quick enough. Amir Smith-Marset. Yeah. Saw Josh Klein try it out a little bit. You like just saying the whole name, Fiddy? Here's my thing whenever you start going to the initials. Like, I feel like you got to be a dude. He's a preseason star. Has he earned the right for us to just start saying his initials? But it makes it easier for me. And so, even uh, if okay, you're right. Okay, then I want you to start calling me JDM. Yeah, but Josh is a one-syllable thing. It's not hard to say. I don't care. And Fitty just rolls off the tongue. But I, I'm I'm JDM now. JDM is harder to say. It doesn't make any sense. No, I'm I get you a little JDM. bit. Yeah, JDM. What about <laughs> J, plus it'd be JFM, right? JD would be better. I JD. Now I could call you JD. JD fits your country uh, demeanor persona a little bit more. Oh, JD yeah. on the ones and twos. <laughs> you know, I wanted to try it out in high school. Because, like, in high school, I went by my last name, and it got kind of annoying. I had teachers that did not know my, what my first name was. But I was never confident enough to be like, hey, I'm JD. But maybe y'all are now giving me the confidence. To, maybe I should change my dating profile to JD. You never yeah. watched Scrubs either, right? No. I told you, it's the most underrated sitcom of all time. They don't have the laugh track. I know you're a laugh track guy. It does not have that, but it's still phenomenal. And JD is the lead character, Zach Braff. And so maybe you can identify most underrated sitcom ever. Not here to argue. Argue with somebody else. It's the most underrated sitcom of all time. So, yes, it was a conditional pick swap, not just an outright conditional seventh-round pick going to Kansas City. J.D. Marlowe. I like J.D. Marlowe. C.J. said Spencer Brown was awful last year in that game at Atlanta with P.J. Walker starting, missed blocks, ran wrong routes. We don't have to worry about Spencer Brown anymore, at least not right now. Could be on the practice squad after all of this, but he did not make the roster. That was CJ's text. Heartstopper Harley. Heartstopper Harley. That's one that's tough. Maybe we just go HSH right there. Maybe I'm crazy, but I never saw anything out of Shy Smith in any of the games he played that really impressed me enough to make the team. Well, and I think the coaching staff and eventually Scott Fitter would agree with HSH on that text message. That's why I wasn't as surprised as well. I don't think I would have had Shai Smith getting cut at the very beginning of this process, but it became pretty apparent. And I would say even Wes early on, it became apparent. So you sign Adam Thielen, you sign DJ Chark. They're talking up LaVisca Chenault. They draft Jonathan Mingo. Terrace Marshall Jr. is making some waves in camp. Okay. That's five right there. Shai Smith, if he makes the team, it's going to be the sixth receiver. Demir Bird goes on IR then you think, all right, that's going to be the saving grace for Shai Smith to make this team. But then Derek Wright starts to show out. And then they even trade for Kansas City. Wes, I think it's fair to say there are there were even with the top five guys I talked about, there were still a couple of avenues for Shai to make this team. And he still didn't. They still felt like they needed to make that trade. They still felt even after an injury 
that Shai Smith wasn't good enough to make this roster. And sure enough, he doesn't. He's free to be had out there by any other NFL squad. Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing. He, he did lead the Panthers in receiving during the preseason with 88 yards on seven catches. But uh, like you said, I mean, there were different things that showed the fact that it was going to be an uphill climb for him to make it as the preseason went on. And he ended up being a casualty. All right, let's go to a couple of other texts before we get to second take Tuesday. YGM isn't a dude and you use his initials. That's a good point from 980. You just need to call him Gross Matos now, Fiddy? I just call him Gross because that's what his play is on the field. Left you open for that one. (laughs) Sometimes these jokes get me a little bit more than others. It was so obvious, but I still loved it. I still loved what he gave me there. And a lot of people saying, yes, Scrubs is fantastic. You want to get to Second Take Tuesday, Wes? Let's do it. All right, let's do it right now. Here's my theme. After going back and watching the film intently, like a coach would, Mm -hmm. sleeping in the film room, I just thought Bryce recognized exactly what to do, both within the confines of the offense and out of structure. Just not making any mistakes, Wes. I mean, I really was paying attention to every single throw and run that he had, especially against Detroit. He didn't do anything wrong at all. Looking downfield, pressure comes, hits his outlet early to pick up five yards instead of getting dropped for a loss. Smith not open on the screen, throws it in the dirt. Now it's time to make something happen on third down, has to play out of structure, does so, makes a lineman miss twice. You know how we said, oh, he made the lineman for the Lions miss on that one big old scramble where he converts like a a five-yard loss into a five-yard pickup? The very next play on third and two, he makes somebody miss, Wes. And so, yeah, I just thought the theme for me was that Bryce Young did not make any mistake, even in the preseason, didn't have one turnover-worthy play, and it showed against Detroit and hooked up for a score and led this team to a field goal. Loved what we got from Bryce on a second take Tuesday theme. Did you want to start us off with a particular play or a theme? Yeah, I mean, the play that I think about is the first play when he hits Mingo. Mingo definitely showed some good catch and run capabilities for the second straight game. I mean, he does look kind of Debo-like after the catch, not quite as bruising and ferocious when he runs with the ball, but this is a guy that Guys bounce off of him when he gets the football out in the open field. So I think you have to be excited to the element that he brings to the receiving core in that regard because Adam Thielen, you know, he's a guy that for the most part, unless something happens, he's going to catch the ball and get tackled fairly quickly. And then you talk about DJ Chark as well, and he's not necessarily known for his run after the catch. It's the the route running deep that gets him uh, the bulk of his yards. But I think that Mingo, you like that, that he brings that to the table, especially maybe, you know, you complete the completion short of the line, and this is the guy that can run uh, and get you out of trouble. And then as you talked about, Bryce just showing that pocket awareness on the scrambles when trouble was coming, showing you that that's a part of his game. He can help uh, the offensive line in those regards for a unit that looks shaky at this point. And so you like the fact that you've got a quarterback that looks like he can be able to make some guys miss and make things happen. All right, so I went with a couple of the same things you did. The first play, I pointed that one out as well. What I liked about it was first play of the game, boom. Young's in shotgun. No play action, nothing. We're throwing the ball. We're going to be aggressive. We're going to throw the ball on first and 10 with 15 minutes to go in the first quarter. First play. We're throwing it. Mingo runs a slant from the outside. And if you pause it, Wes, here we are discussing how the wide receivers don't create a lot of separation. Miles of separation between Mingo and the defensive back. Makes a miss. And then you mentioned the yak. 
makes the right read on the block downfield and picks up five extra yards from where he could have been tackled. So in a play where you're talking about Bryce Young throwing the football, not any disguise, you're in shotgun. Yeah, you could have handed it off to a running back right beside you at the same time. They didn't go play action. Mingo got so much separation in the middle of the field and the routes outside of everything else, they cleared the middle of the field for Mingo. Thought it was a good play design right off the rip to try to get the fan base something hungry about, right? Like, okay, we're, we're hungry for a touchdown. It's here. They're going to be aggressive. That was fun. You mentioned the scrambles. Yeah, exactly what I was talking about. Second and seven. Bryce Young scrambles to the left, gets five yards. And then so that third and 12, what could have been, it turns into a third and two. And I saw a few people praising Anthony Richardson for his ability in college. And then what he showed in a couple preseason games to turn sacks for a loss into minimal, decent size, or maybe even no gain, but it wasn't a loss. Bryce Young does the same thing there. And then on third and two, Puts the left end on skates this time. Each defensive end had their turn getting on ice, and Bryce Young picks up the first down. Completely agree with you on both of those, Wes. First game, I thought there were, or first play, thought there were some things to take away, and even both of the scrambles, some things to take away. Yeah, and then also early on in that game, as I said, the more I saw him uh, hitting Thielen on some of those throws, and it just looks like to me just his comfort level is there with him the most. And I think that Thielen being the vet, uh, Thielen being a leader on this offense, and you could maybe say right now that he may be the leader uh, on this offense as he is the elder statesman around so many young guys. And I think that looking at that early, I said, man, these two can really establish uh, a great connection together. You like what you saw from those two, the touchdown reception, uh, even aside from that, the other catches that he had. It just looks like he has a, a really good formula going with him. And I think a lot of it is because Thielen is that vet. He's well-versed. He's been in the league for a while. Bryce Young is a guy who prepares like a vet because when you look at that throw in the first quarter uh, with about 6.17 to go when he hit Adam Thielen over there on the sideline, that was a, a very nice completion as well. And so that was one of my big takeaways as Pressure's I watched coming. this game. Yeah, yeah on that throw, it – Second take Tuesday, also, you look at the offensive line. It, it it still wasn't great in this game. It wasn't awful. It wasn't like it was against the Giants and the Jets, but there's still some problems. And, Wes, even going back over it, Iki Kwanu, even without the sack that he gave up, I mean, I, I hate it. That leads me to my next play because I, I – I want Icky to work out. Everybody wants Icky to work out. And it doesn't mean that we need to be so worried about it now in the preseason. But here's a play I'll bring up. So it was first and 10 at the Detroit 16. That's when Bryce Young was sacked for that seven-yard loss. You tell me, Wes. I want help from a left tackle. I want help from somebody that played it at a high level. So it's play action. Maybe Icky needs to set up a run. But it doesn't allow him to prepare for an outside rush is what he gets beat on for the sack. I think he's standing up a little too much. Kick slide, non-existent for Icky in that play. It does happen to Hayden Hurst on the other side, because remember, there was a split sack. It was Aquara and Houston that were able to bring Bryce Young down. So I wonder if they're trying to set up the play action a little more so by faking run blocking and then just not getting to the outside. They both get beat by outside rushes. I just don't think the technique was good at all by Icky on that rush. And that's how Bryce Young is dropped down. And he can't have enough. He doesn't have enough space. He doesn't have enough time, I should say, to step up into the pocket. So you tell me, is it technique? Is it just a fantastic move from James Houston? Because all I saw was an outside rush. I, 
he fakes inside a little bit, but it, it's not like Icky bites a ton. He just gets flat out beat by athleticism on the outside. Well, the thing is, is that it's technique. I mean, when you yeah. look at Icky on this block, he starts to bend over. He starts blocking. And I feel like he's standing upper straight body. up. Yeah, well, the, he starts to block with his upper body and he starts to tip over uh, like you're pouring tea into a cup. And as an <laughs> offensive lineman, that's not what you want. And the feet stop. And that's the problem, too. One of the biggest issues that I would have at times, and a lot of linemen have it, is putting your head into the block. Because for one, naturally, you're not made to do some of those movements that you have to do. But when you look at this sack, you know, the guy comes off, he gets a decent first step, but Icky's right there. The coverage is good. But then he wants to start mirroring him. And then, like I said, he starts to tilt over that upper body. Head goes into the block a little bit too much. And at that point, he stops bringing the feet. The feet start getting behind him. That outside leg starts to come back. He opens up that door for him. The guy just makes another, a secondary move uh, on that as far as it was just nothing more than getting that shoulder down just a little bit. He beats him to the edge, and he gets the sack. That's why it worries me. Because it wasn't this extensive move. It he has just, some technique stuff all game long. Yeah, and, and that's what I think you can easily see it. If you go back on YouTube, it's really easy to find. If you just go watch that play, is, does play action matter at all in that, West? I mean, is he trying to sell the run block but not kicking out at all? Because you can see the moment he's beat. He's got an out. He's got leverage. Houston, as soon as he moves outside, both of Icky's feet are together. They're not even shoulder width apart. They're not wide at all. And boom, Houston is gone. I just wonder if there's anything to do trying to sell run block because it does happen to Hayden Hurst on the other side. The difference is Hurst is a pass catching tight end, and Icky Kwanu is supposed to be your franchise left tackle. So there's a little bit more of a built-in excuse on the other side. But Icky, for me, it just feels like he is is trying to sell something, and the feet are all wrong, as you mentioned. Yeah, I mean, it, it was a play action. They wanted to sell the run just a little bit so the linemen weren't going as deep into their passes. They were kind of doing a quick drop and then get your hands on him. But the problem was, like I said, Icky couldn't keep the hands on him, lock him up in there long enough. And so the play got a little drawn out because you could attribute a little bit of this to a coverage sack because Bryce had to drop back. And, you know, he didn't necessarily see anything at the bottom of his drop because he gets the beat once he gets to the bottom of the drop that 1,001. And by the time he puts that last foot down at the end of his drop and you can count 1,001, to me that's adequate enough time for him to be able to throw something if something is open. So something was not open, and that gave the defensive lineman, James Houston, just enough time to get around there and get him. So uh, Icky would have been okay, perhaps, if Bryce was able to get the ball out just a little bit quicker if somebody had been open. But still, at the end of the day, you know, you talk about a play like that when you see the lineman not dropping as deep that means the throw needs to be gone yeah. a little bit quicker all right so deep dive into the film on Icky Equanu. let's go to some national <laughs> pundits yes Icky Equanu, as Matt Ryan might say let's go to some other national pundits and what they had to say about this game on a second take Tuesday we referenced the Dan Orlovsky sound clip quite a bit well we have it for you here's Dan Orlovsky talking about Bryce Young how his anticipation is sick how he talked about how sick it was on Saturday this young man's a rookie. Rookie. Look at, look at the balls coming out of his hand. <laughs> He's throwing it to this guy. Young man's a rookie. <laughs> and perfectly. Give me something, Dan. You want to see the ability to anticipate with touch, accuracy, ball placement, 
He's trying to bond now. That is sick. <laughs> okay. If you guys have seen Swamp Kings, Dan Orlovsky sounds like Tim Tebow whispering the whole time. He does. I thought that was funny when somebody brought that out. The fact that Tebow was whispering the whole thing. We didn't just want to beat him. We wanted to dominate them. <laughs> Dan Orlovsky, the anticipation. Yeah. It's sick. Yeah. That's Dan Orlovsky falling in love with what Bryce Young did against the Detroit Lions. And maybe JT O'Sullivan will actually give us some a little bit more volume than Orlovsky. But here he is also talking about the anticipation of one Bryce Young. A lot to like. A lot to be optimistic about if you're a Carolina Panthers fan. I love, love, love the anticipation. I think it's borderline as good as anybody in the league right now. And he hasn't played a real snap yet. Uh, he's got all sorts of accuracy, precision, decisiveness. Uh, but let's be real. We've got some issues on the perimeter, y'all. There's not a lot of space for us to throw to. There's not a lot of consistent winners. There's almost no one who can go out there and get their own shot as far as being able to create on damn near any one-on-one opportunity. So we're going to have to be creative. We're going to have to see some serious offensive architecture to create chunk opportunities down the field. Definitely thinking, you know, moving the launch point, play action shots, getting creative, all those types of things. It's going to be a long season out there, outside the numbers, being able to create space. So getting creative in that regard is going to really help Bryce Young, in my opinion. But man, I love, love, love the anticipation. Oh, you don't want to hear that. What was that sound bite again? (laughs) (laughs) You don't want to hear that, man. That was was not a a glowing preview of what's to come. Basically, you you're telling me that Bryce Young is the man and he's going to suffer this season at the hands of his supporting cast. On one hand, you're watching a team that did not have three of their wide receivers that might play out there on the outside. DJ Chark didn't play against the Lions. This was the film he was breaking down. Terrace Marshall wasn't playing out there. And so DJ Chark, LaVisca Chenault, he's not going to be on the outside either way. So it's TMJ and it is DJ Chark. Those are the two guys that you're missing. I'll say this. They did manufacture some space for Mingo. And also, Mingo beat his guy one-on-one pretty easily. Mingo's going to be wildly interesting this year. It, we know that a second-round wide receiver, you're looking for the long-term impact. But is he just going to be someone that Bryce Young feels is more open because the separation is there more so? I mean, he's talking about Adam Thielen, Wes. Yeah. He's talking about Thielen despite having four catches. He's talking about Thielen not creating that separation. So you are relying, if you have high expectations, wide receiver one expectations for Thielen, then all of that confidence has to be put forth into Bryce Young just hitting the guy on the numbers because there's not going to be much space between Adam Thielen and the nearest defender. Now, if I hear him right, though, he is saying about separation as far as getting down the field, creating downfield opportunities was what he said, correct? I think outside he said outside the numbers. I, I took it as... Your ex receiver outside the numbers, if you're throwing far away and it's not in the middle of the field, who are the guys running those routes? Yeah. Well, Thielen in the slot, that's going to be the guy that, I mean, that's going to be how you manufacture something for an older wide receiver. And then so who can, who can get that out on, on the outside? I think Chark can, especially deep routes. I think Chark can do that. But the old problem is here again with DJ Chark being heard, and we don't expect him to be ready for week one. Yeah, man, and that's the thing, too. And I wonder if he also took into account who is on the roster in its totality or maybe not who he was looking at at the moment, but we'll see. But definitely uh, wanting Chark and TMJ to get back ASAP. 100%. All right, that'll do it for Second Take Tuesday. 
we'll skip the first Fitty Flash. Maybe we can come back with it another time, and then he could just have a double dose for you on the next Fitty Flash. It's time for the Campus Corner coming up next. Alabama. Cone! No depth chart released for Alabama, which means we don't know who the starting QB is going to be. What do we think about Alabama this year? It's coming up next. Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNC. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning their chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. the Wesson Walker Show Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Keep the text coming. 704-570-9610. Jay from Mount Holly Walker says, when did Greg Olson ever have separation? I think Greg Olson was a pretty good route runner, but he did body guys up a lot. Yeah, tight end in the middle of the field is a little bit different than your ex receiver on the outside of the numbers like JTO Sullivan was talking about. And then he also says Andrew Norwell's agent says, I'm sure he said the same thing about the weapons Cam had in 2015, which turned out to be a decent season. Yeah, I'd say so too. A decent season is an understatement. Hit up the social medias, WFNZ Twitter and Instagram at Westbryan underscore 72 at Walker Mail. And at HTB underscore Josh on Twitter and Instagram. And most importantly, the Wesson Walker page on Twitter. Walker, you still haven't uh, dressed up the IG yet? I've not, no. I. You know what? Who am I kidding anymore? I'm not going to say that I'm going right. to. There was a time where I thought I was, and that time has come and gone, even with threads. I don't even know. Is anybody still on threads? We, yeah, we hyped it up. I did it, too. I deleted it. I was like, <laughs> so I was like, all right, maybe this is it. And I, I thought maybe there was enough momentum to hold them, hold them down a little bit. But, yeah, I haven't even checked that in a while. All right. Well, now it is time to go to the campus. Kona. All right, folks, we know that Nick Saban is known for doing some quirky things at times, but this one is pretty uh, wild in and of itself. Alabama fans are going to have to wait until Saturday to know the starters for the Crimson Tide, including who's going to be at quarterback when they take the field for their season opener. Nick Saban elected not to release a depth chart of the team starters and backup players to eliminate air quotes, distractions, as well as to keep players motivated on competing for playing time. Saban said, I want all of our players to continue to compete, continue to compete for playing time, to try to play at the highest level, Saban told reporters per ESPN. And I don't want anybody on our team to think they're a backup player 
or whatever. And the biggest position of interest for the Tide, of course, is quarterback Jalen Milrow, Ty Simpson, and Tyler Buckner are all vying for that spot. So what do you think about that? No depth chart for the Crimson Tide. That's a little weird, huh? It is weird. He's trying to figure out who's going to be that starter, starting quarterback, and he needs more time for the first time That's in a while. That's how you read that, huh? I do. Yeah. I think Nick Saban needs more time to try to figure it out, and you're hoping it's the positive. It's the glass-half-full approach where everybody's just playing so well he doesn't know who to name instead of the glass-half-empty approach, which no one is playing well enough, and that's why he doesn't know who is going to start at QB. We'll see, I guess, when it all unfolds, but Alabama losing a couple of games last year with Bryce Young as their quarterback quarterback and now you have a few guys one of them has not separated themselves enough to be that starting QB this is the reason that some people might be out on Alabama making the college football playoff especially with uh, what you heard in the spring passing game not looking very good Jalen Miro we know that he's a bit raw as a passer and so uh, I find that interesting as well but I agree with you walk I think he doesn't want Uh, the distractions of trying to figure out and people constantly pestering him about who's going to be the starting quarterback. Fiddy, what do you think about that, a head coach not putting out a depth chart? I mean, it's it's Sabanism. He's just out there trying to to do something and you know, he he also said that the players know who the starters and the backups are. Well, if the players know, why can't we know? I, I, I don't get the point of that. They're gonna they're gonna destroy Middle Tennessee State on Saturday. There's a legit chance they probably play two quarterbacks when they go or, or when they host Texas in week two. And I think it's when we'll find out if they have a quarterback or not. Now, he said he didn't plan on playing two signal callers in the opener. You think that is going to change in week two? Well, I mean, I would hope the so. The score's probably going to dictate that. Yeah, I mean, if that game's not over at halftime, maybe we got to start talking about the Alabama program regressing because Middle <laughs> Tennessee State hasn't been good in a while. All right, so now Texas coach Steve Sarkeesian is not allowing the recent comments from Big 12 Commissioner Brett Yormark to distract him from leading his program. Now, get this. He told the uh, he told he told Texas Tech's coach that he's not going to put any pressure on him, but I'm going to be in Austin on Thanksgiving and you better take care of business like you did right here in Lubbock last year. He said that to Texas Tech coach Joey McGuire on Monday. Sarkeesian told reporters he questioned your mock's thought process behind those remarks saying, quote, I got a letter from the commissioner about sportsmanship the day before that speech, so I'm trying to figure (laughs) out what are we promoting to our student athletes, he said per ESPN, to go say those types of things, question mark. I'm not guessing he's going to have his Thanksgiving dinner with us the night before that game. That is wild for a commissioner of a conference to say that. We know that it is sour grapes with Texas's impending departure to the SEC. But what do we think about that? The lack of sportsmanship by a commissioner. He has no problem telling you what he thinks. He has no problem. Well, look, maybe he didn't want that to go public, but also it's hilarious that he decided that he was going to make those comments because, yeah, if Texas leaves the conference and you are the commissioner of that conference that the school with as big a budget as anybody has and they don't want to stay within the Big 12 anymore, you're the commissioner, the leader of the school of the conference that's trying to keep all of the powerhouses in, inside, then yeah, I would imagine he probably does have some sour grapes. 
I would imagine that he probably is pretty frustrated with Texas and wants to see them not go into the SEC competing at the highest level because that's a bad look on the commissioner watching Texas just start to play a lot better, right? They're starting to live up to a lot of the hype that's around Texas leaving every me. year. Right, and so, yes, I'm not surprised at all to hear what his true thoughts are. I guess I, that's not true. I am surprised to hear what his true thoughts are. I'm not surprised to know what his true thoughts are. All right, well, Texas will begin their season at number. Uh, they will begin their season against Rice at home on Saturday, so they'll get their season going, and we'll see how the Longhorns do because they've got a lot of gas coming in to this season. But when we return, Team Week continues. The double dose that you've been getting, North Carolina, South Carolina. But in this segment, we talk about North Carolina's offense on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.